stand with me to read the Word of God today? And um, it's been my habit through the years to always seek God for a word for the new year. I believe that God still talks. Do you believe God still talks? And I believe if you'll seek Him, He'll speak to you. And I, I also, since I have pastored for as long as I have, 32 years, almost 33, um, He's always given me a word for the church and for myself because we're intertwined. We're a family and we're a team. And so I saw the Lord. I said, you know, what, what are you saying for the year 2016, this turbulent, tumultuous year in our nation? Um, and a story from the Bible kept coming to me that I've never preached on, never have. But it kept coming, and it wouldn't leave me alone. And you, you can count on it. When a word keeps coming to you and won't leave you alone, God's trying to tell you something. <laughs> I love it when the word won't leave me alone. Right? So I want to just read to you, and we're going to read together, uh, 2 Kings 13, 14, and 19. I'm going to call this today, Nothing Held Back. And it's the story of Elisha, the great prophet Elisha, and he's about to go home to be with the Lord. And let's begin reading here at uh, verse 14, and I'll read it. You can just Read along if you don't have your Bibles with you. But 2 Kings 13, 14 and 19. When Elisha became sick with the illness of which he was to die, Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over him and said, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. Elisha said to him, Take a bow and arrows. So he took a bow and arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, Put your hand on the bow. And he put his hand on the bow. Now picture this. Use your sanctified imagination. Here's the king. He doesn't know what the prophet's doing. He said, put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on the bow. Then Elisha laid his hands on the king's hands, which are on the bow. He said, now open the window towards the east. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, now pull back and shoot. Now remember, as he pulled back to shoot, the prophet's hands are on his hands. And he shot. And he said, this is the last prophecy of Elisha on earth. His last prophecy. He said, the Lord's arrow of victory, even the arrow of victory over Syria, for you will defeat the Syrians at Aphek until you have destroyed them. End of prophecy. Now here's the king. He shot the arrow. And now we move on to act two. Then he said, now take the arrows that are remaining in your hand. Now I have arrows with me today. You can breathe easy. I don't have a bow. But I have arrows. Because I want you to see this. I want you to picture it. I have, I have six arrows here. And I believe that he had six arrows based on what the prophet said. He said, now take the arrows in your hand, just like this. And he said to Joash, he said, strike the ground. And he struck it three times, bang, 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 and stopped. Now look what the, the prophet's response. He said, it says, the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria until you would have destroyed it. But now you shall strike Syria only three times, the implication being you're not going to fulfill 
the full prophecy that you would totally destroy Syria because you didn't seize the word. The word didn't move your faith like I was hoping it would. Now I'm going to explain this odd scenario to you as I bring this word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And I just pray that, Lord, you will move this congregation this year into a new level of faith and response to your word. And I pray you will take this story that you put in the word of God for us, for today, that we would learn from it and be encouraged by it, and it would change us and rearrange us and renew our minds and stoke our faith for a stronger day. And I pray that you will make it real to us, Lord. Speak right to us, Holy Spirit, I pray. Now, will you breathe a prayer, church, and say, I open my mind and heart to the word of God. Speak to me in Jesus' name. Amen. Tell your neighbor, 2016 is going to be exciting. Amen. Now, let me give you a little bit of background. During the reign of King Joash, who was the one involved in this story, Israel had experienced continual conflict with Syria. Syria had just been a thorn in the flesh of of Israel, harassing them all the time, doing what the devil does to people. The Syrians had plundered them, stolen from them, threatened them, oppressed them, and generally made life miserable for them. And when you read about an Old Testament enemy of God's people, it's always a type and shadow of the devil. Because isn't that what the devil does? Plunders us, steals from us, uh, uh, threatens us, make, tries to make life miserable for us if we let him get by with it. He came to kill, steal, and destroy, Jesus said. Now, with that in mind, Elisha had been a prophet in Israel for decades. Remember, Elisha was the one raised up by Elijah. Elijah had called Elisha to follow him, and Elisha served him many years. And when Elijah was taken up into glory by the chariots of fire, it was Elisha who said, uh, you know, I, I see it, the, you know, the chariots of fire, the horsemen of Israel, I see it, Elijah. And you remember the mantle fell from Elijah onto Elisha, and he picked up the mantle. And we know from the Bible that Elijah had performed seven great outstanding miracles in his life, and Elisha performed 14 because he had prayed for a double portion. The 14th miracle was after he was dead. His dry bones were in a cave. And a dead man was thrown into the cave, and when his dead body hit the bones, he was resurrected as if God was saying, hey, even if you die, I'm still going to answer your prayers. Because he, he answered the prayer, his promise to a man, even after he was gone. So your prayers outlive you. That's another message. Now, here's the deal. Several kings had learned to lean on Elisha because he was the great man. He was the the mighty prophet. He was the unassailable prophet of Israel for all these years. And and the kings that he served under knew that he had the mind of God and knew that he performed miracles of God. He was God's man of faith and power for that hour. He really was. There was no one like him on earth, no one like Elisha. And so 
the kings had learned to lean on him. Now, here's Joash. Joash, we know from the Bible, at this time, when Elisha's about to die, was a backslidden king. He started out strong and ended weak. He started out well and ended badly. He had drifted away from God. And now, all of a sudden, his security blanket, Elisha, is about to die, and he's freaking out about it. He doesn't want to hear this because I'm leaning on you, Elisha. I know that if an enemy comes against us, you'll have the mind of God. We'll know what to do. You'll help us. And what are we going to do, Elisha, without you? How are we going to get by? How will we survive? So he calls for the prophet. He says, please come see me. And when Elisha walks in the room, he says, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. Now, what he was saying there is, Elisha, that's what you said when Elijah was taken up. You said that, and I'm repeating you, and in repeating you, I'm acknowledging that I know that when your mentor was taken up into heaven, the mantle fell on you, and you're the man. You're the man, and I'm acknowledging And I'm letting you know by what I've said that I I don't know what I'm going to do without you because you are the prophet. What I like about Elisha is he brushes these accolades aside. He doesn't even acknowledge what he said. And he said, I want you to grab a bow and some arrows. Now here's Joash, all upset, all emotional, and the prophet says, grab a bow and some arrows. What does that have to do with anything? That's like out of context. Like, what? I'm here to mourn over you. Elisha doesn't want mourning. He knows where he's going. So he says, I want you to grab a bow and some arrows because I'm about to prophesy to you. And I want to give you what we could call a a living illustration, sort of a prophetic show and tell. I'm going to get a bow in your hand and some arrows, and I'm going to do a living illustration with you so that you don't forget the word of God that is about to come to you. So grab the bow and some arrows. And this was very common with Old Testament people. They always acted out. They would act out truth or act out a prophecy. Like you remember when Samuel knew that the kingdom had been taken away from King Saul. It says Samuel tore his clothes as a living illustration of the fact that the kingdom had been torn away from Saul. Living illustration. The prophet Hosea married a promiscuous woman as a living illustration that Israel had become spiritually promiscuous and had forsaken God. And so he married a promiscuous woman who was unfaithful to him as a living illustration of how Israel had been unfaithful to God. So there you got a living illustration, a a show and tell. Uh, That's the way they did things. So so now Elisha is about to do a living illustration. So he says to Joash, take the bow, and he says, I want you to go to the eastern window, because the eastern window was the direction of Syria. They're tormentors. He then places his own hand on the king's hand. As the king holds the bow... His hand is on the king's hand. He tells him to shoot the arrow towards Syria. He pulls back and lets it fly. King Joash does this as a living illustration of a spiritual truth. 
Because as soon as he shot that arrow, he prophesied his last prophecy on earth. And he said, the Lord's arrow of victory, even the arrow of victory over Syria for you, Joash, will defeat the Syrians at Aphek until, now listen to the promise, until you have totally destroyed them. You're not going to hurt them. You're not just going to wound them. But Joash, God's hand is on you to totally take them out, to destroy, to totally, utterly, completely, consummately defeat your tormentors. Now, he's saying something extremely significant here to this king. First, that King Joash himself has been called of God to utterly destroy the Syrians. Joash is hearing a prophecy from the mighty prophet that this is the call of God on your life. This is your destiny. This is your purpose. You are anointed and appointed, Joash, to bring down the Syrians. And on top of that, you don't need to worry that I'm not going to be here. You don't need to worry that Elisha is not going to be here because, listen, God is with you. God is with you. Now, Joash, like I said, he's backslidden. He knows he hasn't been walking with God like he should have. So this is like a bolt out of the blue for him. Like, wow, you're kidding me. Me? My walk isn't what it ought to be. My my talk isn't what it ought to be. I've kind of drifted from God way back when. I would have thought the call of God had left me. But no, the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. You can't run from God. You can't hide from God. You can't duck from God. He's going to find you. So the message of the prophet is there's an anointing on your life, O king. You are anointed by God, and I don't have to be here for it to happen because God is with you. It was a word of destiny. It was a word of encouragement. It was a word requiring faith on the king's part because when God speaks to us, we are to respond in faith and obedience. So that was the significance of the prophet's hand being on his hand. It was the living illustration. As my hand, Joash, is on your hand, so will God's hand be with your hand when you fire the arrows in the battle and get total victory. Now, can I tell you something today, church? I came with a word today. God's hand is on your hand. God is with you. If you're a blood-bought child of God filled with the Spirit and you know that Jesus is your Savior, then God is with you. Not just a famous preacher... Not just some famous evangelist, but you. God is with you. His hand is upon you. He's going to help you. I got to tell you the truth today. If I woke up tomorrow morning and God said, you know, Jeff, I'm done. Uh, I'm done with you being a a pastor. I'm not with you anymore to do that. You wouldn't have to. I would beat you out the door. Because I'm here because I believe that God is with me. I was praying last week, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me. And and don't you love it when you're not really seeking a word, and suddenly that still, small voice just says something to you right out of the blue. And, and, And I was praying, and God said to me, Jeff, I'm with you. And then he said, be bold and be brave and don't fear the face of men. I want you to preach my word, and I'm with you. It doesn't matter if anybody else is with you if I'm with you. If God be with us, who can be against us? If God be with us, who can be against us? 
So I want you to say with me something today here in church, the Sunday after Christmas. Say with me right now, God is with me. Now, I want you to say it one more time like you're the one preaching and I'm not. Are you ready? One, two, three. God is with me. Do you believe that? If God be for us, who can be against us? The Lord is with me in what I do. The Lord is with you in what you do. There's a call of God on the church of Jesus Christ. When we got saved, we didn't just get a ticket to ride to heaven one day. But we were called, we were anointed and appointed. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a called out people. Why? That you may show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. There is a call on you. If God's not with me, I'm not here, but I believe he's with me. And I can't tell you how I bank on that promise. I live on that promise. I lean on that promise. I preach on that promise. I trust in that promise. And I'm marching forward into 2016 based on that promise. God is with me. God's with every one of his children. And this was God's word to Joash. Here it was. I'm with you, Joash. Not just Elisha. But I'm with you. Now we go to Act 2. That's one living illustration. He went right into another one. And he said, now, Joash, while we're at it, I want you to grab all the arrows you've got. You've got. Now, he shot one. There were five left. He said, I want you to grab those arrows, Joash. Now, here's the king going, what's going on here? He says, Joash, I want you to take those arrows, and I want you to strike the ground. I want you to hit the ground with them. Now, you shoot arrows, so what's this strike the ground? The purpose behind this strange request was to test the king's faith. Now, I'm going to show you something. He had just been told that it was his calling and destiny to totally defeat his bitter enemy, the Syrians. He's just been told, you're going to totally rout them. You're going to totally defeat them. And he had been assured that God's hand was with him, whether Elisha was there or not. Now the old prophet is using this command to strike the ground with the arrows to see just how much Joash really believed what he just heard. We might say, this command to strike the ground was like a spiritual thermometer that was about to test the temperature of Joash's faith. He said, well, how, how can it test his faith? Because here's what Elisha knew and what I want us to all get today. He knew that real faith, Bible faith, produces action. He knew that real Bible faith moves you. James said, you can no more show me your works without or apart from your faith than I can show you my faith apart from my works. James is saying, I can't show you real Bible faith that does not result in action. If you've got real Bible faith, it's going to move your feet. It's going to move your hands. It's going to move your tongue. It's going to move your thoughts. It's going to move your life. You can't have passive Bible faith. 
and not eventually be moved to action, to good works, to works of righteousness, to being involved in kingdom business. And then he says this, faith and works, works and faith, fit together, hand in glove. You cannot separate one from the other. James says, if you say you have faith, we will know if it's genuine by whether or not it moves you to take action. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Jesus said, according to your faith, be it unto you. Elisha, James, and Jesus all knew that real faith will move your feet in the right direction, your hands to good works, your mind to godly thoughts, your mouth to faith-filled speech. Real Bible faith will shake you, rattle you, roll you, move you, change you. It'll set your feet into motion. You can't get born again and we can't tell. You can't get born again and we can't tell. Because these people say, oh, yeah, I'm born again. And they're going off to the bars and they're sleeping around and they're doing this. And that. You weren't born again. You're not saved. Well, if you are, you're backslidden. Because listen, listen, if you're born again, it'll show. If you're born again, people that knew you before, knew you when and know you now are going to be going, what in the world happened to you? You're not smoking something. You're not drinking something. You're not snorting something. You're not shooting something. And yet, look at you. We didn't get a religion. We got a relationship with a living God who transforms us. I'm not preaching rehab. I'm not preaching a New Year's resolution. I'm not preaching turning over a new leaf. I'm saying if you're saved and you know it, <laughs> that's true. Oh, it's a Sunday after Christmas. We might as well have some fun, right? And the Bible says that when the prophet said to him, strike the ground, strike the ground, get those arrows in your hand, Joash, now that you've received the word of God, I want you to strike the ground. And the Bible says he struck the ground three times. And the prophet was disappointed and the prophet was angry. And listen to what the prophet said. He said, if you had struck it five or six times, you would completely wipe out the Syrians. Now you will defeat them only three times. He told him, you're not going to fulfill the word of God that just came to you because your faith did not respond to the word that was just given to you. Here's how I think he did it. it and, and I don't know. I wasn't there. But I'm going to show you what, what I think. I've got the arrows. He said, strike the ground three times. Here's the king. I think he went. Uh. And Elijah said. That does not correlate with what I just told you. You should have, bang, 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 bang. I'm going to take him. I'm going to beat him. I'm going to da him. That's what you should have done. I'm going to win the battle. I'm going to defeat the series. I'm going to keep on going. I'm not going to stop. I've never done this before. But do you get it now? Do you get it? He, he, listen, his response betrayed a lack of faith. 
his response to the word of God, he did not have the expectant faith that Elisha was looking for. The effort that Joash put into the prophet's instructions was only half-hearted, lukewarm, plain vanilla. He, 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 he showed, I'm not going to give my best to God's call. And so without words, he was communicating a lack of faith. That's the way some people do church. That's the way some people do Jesus, huh? I'm in, I'm out. I'm there, I'm gone. Let me tell you something. The eyes of the Lord are going to and fro throughout the earth that he might find someone whose heart is perfect towards him, that he might show himself powerful. That's what the Bible says. He's looking for faith and character, listen, that will make a person love God and fight back hell for a lifetime. He's not looking for people who are half in and half out, one foot in the world, one foot in the kingdom. He's not looking for those kind of people. He's looking for, listen, for 2016, those kind of people aren't going to get anything done. History tells us that Joash successfully attacked and defeated the Syrians three times, and then he stopped. And that's as far as his faith could carry him. That's all that was in him. He had nothing more in him. And that's what disappointed the prophet. And likewise, listen, I think more Christians than not expect little from God. And therefore, they receive little from God. And they're content with little from God. This was Joash, and that's too many believers today. Because my Bible says, if I will seek him with all of my heart, he will do exceeding, abundantly, above all that I can ask for or even think of. He stopped striking the ground when he should have kept going. He gave up when he should have kept on. He fainted in his faith when he should have fought to the finish. A lot of us are like King Joe Ash. We start going to church and then we stop. We used to be involved in God's work, but then we stopped. We used to come to prayer meetings and Bible study, but then, uh, you know, this and that and the other happened, and we stopped. We used to witness for Jesus at every turn, but we stopped. We used to pray every day, but we stopped. We used to minister in music, but we stopped. We used to usher, which is a calling from God, but we stopped. We used to pay our tithes and offerings, but then bills added up, and we stopped. We used to be filled with the Holy Ghost, but then we stopped. We shot our three arrows, and we stopped. But if we're going to be blessed by God in 2016, we can't stop striking the ground in faith. Now, I'm I'm, I'm giving us a word here today. Because there are so many Christians that have just, you run into them and say, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Well, where's your arrows? Where I, I, I laid them down. You know, it kind of went like this. I quit striking the ground with them, and then I thought, what do I even have them for? And I just laid them down. We don't strike the ground. He's looking for people who will not strike the ground like Joash did. Listen, and we don't strike the ground with arrows, do we? We, Here's what we do. We strike a lying devil with the name of Jesus and the word of God. 
We strike a lost and dying world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what we do. We preach the word, then we preach it again. Then we strike again. Then we take a stand again. And then we move forward again. And we don't stop. We don't stop. Jesus is worthy of our best and nothing less. I'm so glad he didn't strike three times and stop. I'm so glad he didn't go to Gethsemane and then stop. But Jesus said, no, I came to die for the world, and I'm going to keep on going until I'm done. And he could say with Paul, and Paul could say with Jesus, I have finished my course and kept the faith. I told you I was going to share vision for the year 2016, and I am. Here's what I see. In the year 2016, there's going to be two kinds of Christians in the world. The first kind are going to be the Joe Ashes of the church. And do you know what? I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say it. That's, that's the majority. If you took all the churches in America, you would find more people who just strike three times and stop. They get too busy with life, too busy with money, too busy with marriage, too busy with business, too busy with chasing this, that, and the other, and they quit striking. These are the lukewarm, half-hearted in their devotion to the Lord. And they will not respond in exuberant faith to his calling to serve him. They will be, here's what they're going to have. They're going to have partial victories and experience unremarkable progress in God. And then there's going to be those who respond to the Lord like Joash should have. And they will not be the majority of the church, but they're going to be a remnant. Now, let me tell you something. When you read the Bible, he always did most of what he did through a remnant, not the majority. The majority is not always right. Often the majority is stuck on stupid. Isn't that true? Just because it's the majority doesn't mean they're right. God used a little, little group with Gideon. God, God conquered the whole promised land with his own people. He changed the world through one man, Jesus Christ. So, so there's going to be a remnant. There's going to be a remnant who respond to the Lord like Joash should have. They're not going to be a majority, but it will be a remnant that strikes the ground with every arrow in their arsenal. Hearing say about this remnant, they will not back down to persecution, which is growing in America. They will not accommodate the world in order to win the world. I'm going to say that one again. They will not accommodate the world to win the world. You know, so many churches have quit talking about the blood, quit talking about the cross, quit talking about Jesus being the only way because we, we want to befriend the world to win the world. But you can't befriend the world with a non-gospel. You can't win the world with a non-gospel. They're not going to be ashamed of him. They're not going to be ashamed of his name. They're not going to be ashamed of his word. They're going to stand firmly for Christ, and they are not going to back down. And as a result, here's what I believe the remnant is going to see in 2016. This remnant of faith-walking saints are going to experience miracles of deliverance from the jaws of an angry devil. Now you say, see, Pastor, the reason I don't want to get real fanatical with this thing called Christianity is it gets you in so much trouble. Well, yes, in the world you will have tribulation, but fear not, I've overcome the world. And if they have persecuted me, they will persecute you. Boy, I'm feeling preach on me today. I'm telling you. Right here on the 27th 
A couple days after Christmas, God's got a word for us, and this word is moving me. We're going to see this remnant of faith-walking saints will experience miracles of deliverance like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who said, I will not back down, I will not bend, I will not bow to a false idol, but I will stand with God, do with me what you will. And they threw them into the burning fiery oven with their hands tied behind their back. And the Bible says when they hit that fire, that the only thing that was burned on them was the chains that bound them. That was it. And, and the Bible says that all of a sudden there was a fourth man down in there. And even the king looked down in there, the crazy, insane Nebuchadnezzar looked down and said, didn't we throw three men down there? Then what is that fourth man? And he said, he looks like the son of God. And you know what? That's what he was. He was the son of God. And so just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, this remnant of people who have the arrows that God has given them and they're striking and they're not going to give up and they're not going to faint. It says they're going to experience, they may experience the fiery oven of persecution, but they're going to experience the fourth man in the midst of their troubles. And I'd rather have the fourth man in the midst of trouble than no man, no Jesus in the midst of peace. I'd rather have the fourth man in the midst of trouble Now, here's the second thing. They will be strong and do exploits for God, as Daniel predicted. Daniel said, in the last days, there will be those who who will be strong and do exploits for God. And this is going to be those who give it all, and they're going to experience, I believe, supernatural doors open to them by God, and they will know his provision as Elijah did at the brook Cherith where the raven fed him twice a day. See, nobody can open a door like God can open a door. And, 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 and when you say, you know what, Lord, I'm not going to strike three times and walk away. I'm not going to be half-hearted, but I'm going to give it everything that I've got. And I'm going to strike the ground until the day you take me home. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to faint. I'm not going to fade to black. I'm going to keep going. God has a way of opening doors for those people. You know, I've told you I've got dogs at home. Right now, my daughter's here, and we've got six at home. You can pray for me after church. We got six. But I, but I have three usually. And, and I've noticed something. I'm always thinking of illustrations go to the dogs. But, you know, they'll go to the window and they'll whine and they'll look out. And you know they want to go out. They want to go outside. They're looking at the lawn. They're looking at the squirrels running by. They're looking at the birds. It, it's beautiful. And they want to go outside. But I've seen something. They can want it. They can long for it. They can whine. They can try to communicate. But nothing happens until I open the door. I must open the door. If I don't open it, they don't get out. He's the same way. We can desire, we can want, we can long, we can pray, we can cry, but only God can open the door. But my favorite name for him is he's the way maker. He opens a door that no man can shut and he shuts a door that no man can open. He's our way maker. He's our door opener. And I want to tell you by the spirit of the Lord in 2016, those that really go all out with him, like I'm talking about the arrow strikers that don't quit, God's going to open doors that nobody could ever open but God himself. And we're going to walk through we're going to walk through and this remnant is going to harvest 
a net breaking load of souls. Oh, I, I tell you, I've noticed something. People come to our church and they'll say to me, the reason I came is because I know that you still preach the gospel. You still will talk about Christ and the cross. And you'll still tell the truth. This remnant is going to have the honey of the word of God on their lips. And the lost, like bees, are going to come to that honey. And we're going to have a harvest. We're going to take seriously what Jesus said when he said, I'm telling you to open your eyes and take a good look at what's right in front of you. It's harvest time. Jesus said that. It's harvest time. So what is he going to bless? He's going to bless churches that will still preach the gospel as it is to men as they are. Do you want to be a Joash? Or do you want to be what the prophet was looking for? I close with this. Every morning in Africa, a gazelle wakens and knows it has to run faster than the fastest lion or it will be killed. And every morning, a lion wakens and knows it must outrun the swiftest gazelle or it will starve to death. The moral is, it doesn't matter if you're a lion or a gazelle, you better wake up ready to run. Now listen, every morning an angry devil wakes up and says, I'm going to go get more souls. I'm going to go destroy more homes. I'm going to go ruin more relationships. I'm going to go and wreak more havoc. And every day a church wakes up and says, you know what? I'm anointed and appointed and God is with me and I'm also ready to run. And I'm going to beat him to the punch and win the souls before he takes them out. I'm going to be involved in the work of the Lord until he comes again. God is looking for some overcomers, those who will say they are ready to run the race with all their heart. And God is looking for those who will strike in Jesus' name, knowing that if they will just continue to strike, they will win. I talked to my little mother last night. She's, uh, she's moving. She said, Jeffrey, I was cleaning out all of the drawers, and I found some old letters of yours. And I said, oh, no. How old? Oh, real old. These were letters from when we sent you away when you were 14 so you could get some help. They had sent me to a wilderness camp where you lived out of tents and sleeping bags thinking it would turn me around. And she said, I found the first letter, and do you know what was the first line in that letter you wrote from the wilderness? <laughs> what, mother? I can tell you're going to tell me whether I want to know or not. <laughs> she said, you said, I hate this place. <laughs> and she said, I remembered how unhappy you were. 
how unhappy you were as a boy. And I said, mother, you know, it was because even at 14, I was keenly aware that something was missing and I was starving for some reality, but I didn't know what it was. And I was miserable, disconnected from my maker. And I said, mother, I just need to be saved. And she said, I know you really did. But but then I thought I was two years away when I wrote that. I hate this place. I was two years away from being arrested for sale of narcotics and thrown in juvenile home. But when I heard the gospel in juvenile home and I heard about Jesus and I turned to him, he put some arrows into my hand. Now, listen, my calling, my destiny, my purpose, my peace, my anointing. There have been times I held them shakily, times of disappointment, failure, times I wanted to put them down when I was discouraged, but I've never let them go because he gave me these arrows. He gave those things to me. They were in Jesus. And he's going to have to wrest them from my hand when I go to glory. But until then, amen. Amen. Now I want us to stand up together. And I want you to know that as I have these in my hand, you've got some in your hand. Matter of fact, just act like it and hold up your right hand. Or your left hand, if you're left hand, I don't care. (laughs) But he gave you some arrows, friend. And every one of those things I just named, he gave the same thing to you. What are you going to do with them? Some people have already put them down. Some people have walked away from them. Some of them would have to go on a long search to find them again. But for 2016, we're taking the arrows and we're going to strike the ground. We're going to strike the ground. So I want you to say with me, Lord, today, I receive this word. And I thank you for giving me those arrows. Lord, in 2016, help me to strike the ground. Like Elisha wanted. In faith. Not giving up. Not half-hearted not lukewarm but all in and thank you Lord for using us this year now say Lord use me in 2016 use my life in 2016 nothing held back use my life in 2016 in the name of Jesus if you needed this today give the Lord a hand of praise thank you Lord thank you Lord Thank you, Lord. 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 Oh, I'm encouraged. 
It's going to take me hours to get rid of the adrenaline that is rushing through my veins. Because I really felt God was on this word. And I want you to take it very seriously. You lay your arrows down and you go into a life of misery. Walk in the destiny of God for you. Get serious with God. Can we pray for a moment?